0: Well, again, uh, happy Father's Day and happy Second Mother's Day. Uh, mama's. I can't believe she said that this morning. It was funny. So, um, okay. There's been th- some things happening in my life uh, recently. Uh, when, when Brandon had said, hey, uh, I'm going to Camp Akiva for our father's children to be gone for the week, I can't do my job and go to Camp Akiva, so I need you to teach on this Sunday. Um, I said, okay. And it was kind of one of these moments where I. Usually, I have something like okay, here's what i'm going to teach on right Here, here's um here's something God's going to show me and teach on at, at this point when he said it, I was like yeah i got I got nothing. Um, I have no clue what this is going to look like and and there's been some things that have happened since then that, that I'll talk about today that um God just made it clear uh, and so I don't know who in the room I'm talking to this morning. I don't know. um I just know that God told me to share this, uh, and if it's you, sweet if it's not you." sorry um and so th- there's this there's this what if question uh, that comes up a lot uh, in our household uh, we're anytime i go to town I, I had a cross-country camp this last week and uh i remember my uh, all three of my daughters will do this like hey w- what if something bad happens to you right and i'm like what would happen and i, I don't know just something. What? What if? What if you get eaten by a snake or something? Uh, and, and all these things kind of come up. Like you can see the fear, anxiety. Any time uh, that that I or, or Kelly leave, you see this kind of happen. Um, and I look at that. And I'm like, it's easy for us to say uh, and look at them and say, "Well, it's just kids. This is something that kids do." Um, but I guarantee you, all of us do this in some shape, form, or fashion as well, right? The "what if" question that plagues all of you, all of us. Um, for for some, what, if, what if I lose my job? What if what if um, I talk about God too much with this group? What, how are they going to handle that? Whatever group that might um, be. Um, what if my kids go down the wrong path? Right I, for for I, when working with teenagers a lot, um, that is that is the one that I, I, I run across the most with parents. That they're they're in this place. They're like I, I just don't I want to do everything in my power to where they don't end up messed up. And, and they'll talk about all these things. Here's what I do. Here's the checklist of things I do. And, and relationship isn't anywhere on there. Like they, they'll talk about these things. they talk about these rules they implement. And the what if question for, for them haunts them in that regard. And I would imagine as I say this, all of you have something in your minds like, yeah, here, here's kind of my what if. What if tends to be for us this negative aspect uh, in our lives. It tends to make us act in a way uh, that accounts for every fear, or every anxiety that's out there. uh, And at times, it handcuffs us. It handcuffs us. On on what we're actually able to do with the time that we've been granted, the what-if question for a lot of us handcuffs us. We struggle with asking the what-if on the positive side. What if I prayed for things that were out of my control? What if I welcomed them? Sorry, I have to give you a, a song. We sang, we sang these words just now. Oh, what amazing love. We need your cleansing flood. What if that actually happened? What if it actually happened that we, that we pray this prayer, we need your cleansing flood, and then it happened? Like we'd freak out. Like in, in all reality, the comforts in us would, uh, would, would, would start to panic. Uh, because in all, in all reality we need your cleansing flood, is very uncomfortable for all of us. It almost goes after your comforts. And for us, that's a struggle. But what if we prayed that? What if that was our prayer? What if our prayer life was a regular part of who we are and not just something that happened uh, in reaction to something? What if uh, we intentionally sought out ways to serve His kingdom daily? What if worship was the most freeing thing we've ever done? What if when we meet with the Holy Spirit, that everything we know, everything that we pursue, every, everything we look like here on a Sunday morning changes? What if? And so for us, we, we tend to struggle with what if because we, we want to go to the preventative measures. When in reality, God is like, hey, what if? What if you actually put everything into me? What if you act, What if you actually pressed into me? What if your life screamed of your love for me? So I last week uh, I got the opportunity for the school that I teach at uh, to go to Seattle. I'd never been to Seattle, uh, and and I remember the drive to the airport. There wasn't anybody that um, was going with me from the school. Uh, it was just me. And and these trips don't happen very often. Um, and so as it was happening as I was driving to the airport I remember praying, "Okay God, I don't I don't know what the next 3 days looks like. It's in Seattle. Uh I heard Seattle's beautiful, but it's no Texas. Um and and, and I don't know what this looks like. I have no clue. I don't know the people I'm meeting. I know nothing about what is about to take place. And so um I, I'm going to pray that whatever whatever you want to take place on this trip, make it happen. And 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 I will do everything in my power to not get in the way of that. In all reality, I should be praying this prayer every day, by the way. Right? It's like, oh, Seattle's here. Let's let's pray this prayer. Right? That should be a part of my daily life. Okay? But this is something that I was praying on the way to the airport. And I get to the airport, uh, and, and there's some things that happen. There, I mean, there are several stories I, I want to talk about, too. Uh, one of them, and they were both at the airport... Uh, at the airport or on the airplane, um, we get to, or I get to the, the airport, uh, at Dallas Love Field, flying Alaska Airlines, uh, and I've got my little suitcase, so I don't have to check baggage, because that's a pain, uh, and so I'm I'm ready uh, to, to get on the plane, all of a sudden, the uh, Alaska Airlines uh, attendant gets on over, uh, over the speaker system and says, hey, we have a full flight, uh, we need about 20 of you uh, to check your bag, just check your bag, that'd be great, and I'm like, I get my first response was, she's not talking to me. <laughs> because I bought this suitcase just for this flight, just so I don't have to check this bag. Right? Some some of you right now are connecting the, yeah, God wasn't talking to me on that. as was somebody else. Right? For me, she wasn't talking to me. She came out about five minutes later, said it again. And, and then all of a sudden, I remember the prayer. that I, prayed. I was like, okay. So I go take this bag up there, uh, and I'm like, I'm supposed to give this to you. And then I, I give her the suitcase, and I walk away. A little begrudgingly, might I add, uh, because I had this all planned out. My plan was set, ready to go. She takes it. I get on the flight. The flight is full, but as I look up to my right, there's three empty overhead compartments. Empty. And, like, and, and so if you're anything like me, you're sitting there saying, what was the point of this? But 20 people, uh, she overshot. And in my mind and in my heart, it was just ugly. It was just ugly. I was just, I, I was beat down. I was like, this is how this is going to start. Uh, and all of a sudden, it was like me against God now, right? Some of you are nodding your head because you understand what I'm saying. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Gotta, this is a small thing, but now I've got to go through the whole baggage claim. And there are literally three empty. And so this is what I'm doing. Like if there had been a camera on me, I'm like having a conversation with myself out of frustration because I actually listened to the lady when she said we needed 20 people. And that was my heart. Everything that was supposed to happen with that got voided, got erased, got deleted. Because I was so focused on what I wanted out of the situation. I was so focused on on what was best for me in my mind. So that was that one. We go out to Seattle, and and I'm out there with a a group of people from World Vision. I'm meeting them. There's some things that happen, but in in all reality, uh, the next time that this is really uh, tested is the flight back. Okay? The flight back. We get on the airplane, and this flight is not full. Uh, Obviously, more people want to go to Seattle than come to Texas. So this flight was not full. It was about half full. Uh, in fact, uh, there was this uh, couple that came down, uh, husband was, uh, had a disability, and I said, hey, y'all just have this row, I'll move back to a row behind. I like, yeah. And in reality, I'm like, I just did something nice. No, I just got like two full, empty rows, right? And so I go back to that row, and nobody else is coming on the plane, we're about to, to close up and go, and all of a sudden it happens. There is this lady coming down the aisle, and she's got about a one-year-old in her arms, and then she's got three kids behind her. So there's five of them, and I have two rows here, uh, three on both sides. There's six seats. I already know. I already know. I already know. I pretty much make eye contact with her because I know. She's looking for her row. I'm like, hey, you're right here. This is where you're at. And so she puts the three olders, uh, they're probably around seven years old, seven or eight, on the far side, uh, and she and the one-year-old sit down beside me. And um, as they sit down, uh, you know, we do the kind of small, it's like, hey, how you doing? You going to, you know, Dallas? You going somewhere else? No, I live in Dallas, Okay, awesome. Uh, and and she, I think she was an aunt of the kids. Uh, she was not. She was not a parent of the kids. Um, and so she sits down and she puts the one-year-old in the seat between us. All right, I'm on the window. Right, of course. So she puts the she puts the baby there, and I'm just like. Hey, what's up? And uh, it's you know they're, they're all girls, and God has kind of equipped me to be an expert in having daughters, uh, and so I know pretty much you know what's going on here. And uh, and she gets buckled up, and she says something to the kids, and then she pulls down the tray. This is before taking off, might I add. She pulls down the tray, You're not supposed to do, but she does, and she throws a, a sippy cup, a bag of fruit, uh, and a ball, and then she's out. She's asleep. Like she, like it was clockwork. Like it was it was amazing to me that she fell asleep that quickly, uh, because the plane hasn't taken off yet. She's just out, and I'm like I look at her. I'm like oh this this is happening. And this little girl she's just sitting there staring at everything, right? Um, and she starts to get her fruit, and she's, she's she's about a year old, okay? Maybe maybe a hair like fourteen months, right? There's like whole grapes in the bag. Some of your parents are freaking out right now. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is me. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, this, this kid, she's taking grapes. She's eating them. I'm like, great. I'm, I'm going to have to perform Heimlich on this kid. That's going to happen. She does find the grapes. She's got like a half a banana. She opens a banana. She's just squishing it into everything. I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. Um, like, because, you know, you don't want to be the weird guy. He's like, oh, no, no. You start touching their food and then she wakes up and you've got half of the banana in your hand. You're like, Whoa. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm torn on this. Uh, I don't have any desire to wake her up and say, hey, you need... I like, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, I had some things I had planned. Part of that was writing this lesson a little bit on the plan. I had all these things planned. I planned, right? And God said, no, no, no. You've you got some people you got to take care of. And, and so, time goes by, uh, and, and she's just, the aunt is still out. She's just out, and she is, she is comfortable at this point. Uh, she's kind of sprawled back in her chair. Uh, she's got this blanket around her, uh, and all of a sudden, the, the, the baby decides, I'm going to start crawling on her, and so she does. Uh, and so she starts, you know, just mountain climbing, uh, and she gets up uh, top, and then she just puts her head down. I'm like, okay, this is going to work out. And aunt never wakes up. Like, it's amazing to me. Um, and slowly but surely, this baby starts to kind of work her way down uh, in between the legs, and then and then all of a sudden, there's a blanket, and I can't see the baby's face anymore. Like, <laughs> the baby's just gone, except for two sticks of arms sticking up, in the, and you see hands moving, Okay. Like I, I wish there'd been a camera on me. Oh my because so, 'Cause I'm looking like, Oh, this is happening right now. Uh, okay. And the hands are still moving, but I can't see face for all I know. This kid's suffocating. Uh and and the worst, you know, thoughts of uh, being a parent pop up and I'm like, Yeah, this is this is not okay. Uh, but I'm not waking her up and then all of a sudden nothing. She just stops, right? <laughs> uh some of you are laughing right now. You need Jesus. But she just stops, all right? baby just stops. And uh, so I'm like, i gotta, I got to do this. Uh, and about ten, 10 seconds goes by, and I'm like, okay, oxygen, brain. Uh, and I'm like, ma'am, ma'am, ma'am. She's probably fine. I just want to make sure that she, she's, she's gone, and, and she wakes up. And she's, she was in a deep REM is what she was in. I don't know that she knew she was on a plane when I woke her up. Uh, she wakes up, and she just kind of grabs the arm and puts her back up, and, and, and baby's just sleeping. Uh, and so i like, okay, good. Well, about the time that she picks her up, maybe, I don't know, maybe a minute, minute and a half afterwards, I look over at the other three. I haven't checked on them at all, okay? <laughs> I've been busy, okay? I check over to the other three, and there is one of them, and she's kind of looking around. She looks up the aisle, she looks back at the aisle, uh, and, and she's, you can tell she's starting to panic a little bit. Uh, and she taps on Ant's arm. Ant's out. She's not waking up. That deep REM's back. I tap on Ant, and all of a sudden, hand goes over the mouth. I'm like, are you serious right now? Like, like there's these little arguments I was having with God uh, through all of this. Even though I prayed the prayer that I prayed, right? I prayed that prayer. Uh, and, and as it's happening, uh, I see her, and I'm like, okay. And, like, I'm freaking out. Like, magazines are going, I'm throwing them, and I find the bag. And I, at this point now, I've got to get across the woman and the baby, across the aisle, hand this bag to her, and not be a creeper in it because I'm right, like, over the top of this lady. So that's exactly what I do. She's sitting down, and I've got this bag, and I'm reaching over, and I'm trying not to touch Aunt, and I've got the, I've got the bag over, and the kid takes it, and then, yeah, and then it happens. Okay? And so now I'm like, okay. Well, now, now what do I do? Right? I can't like crawl over the small that that aunt that that's not gonna work. But I need to get this girl to the bathroom, but I don't wanna be the guy who doesn't know this girl taking this girl to the bathroom. Me, there's so many things that are going on in my mind <laughs> on why I should not help. I should just look the other way. There's so many things telling me. But you could tell she was freaking out. She starts crying. She was just in this moment of vulnerability that I'm like, Okay, we're doing this, I'm waking you up again. This is what's gonna happen. And I wake her up again, I was like, Hey I think she's sick. I gave her a bag. I gave her a bag. And so she's got it. It's in her hand right now. She probably needs to go to the bathroom. If you want, I can take care of the little one. Which is, again, a weird request. It's a weird request. I mean, you can take care of the little one. I can do that if you want to. And so she, um, she ends up taking care of it. And I, I land... Like, okay, I'm getting out of here, right? But in the whole time, I was like, I, this kid's probably never going to remember this, right? But in this moment, even if I helped a little bit, I helped. I don't know what this lady's going through. I have no clue. I know that in the moment, it was very easy for me as a parent to say, what are you doing? Right? It's very easy for me to go on the offensive uh, and just start just getting mad. It's uh, very easy for me. And the moment that I start doing that, I, again, I, I go back on the prayer that I prayed before I started this trip. I, God, if you've got something for me to do, do it, and, I, and I'll try my best to get out of the way. And there are so many times I got in the way. There are so many times I just jumped in the way of exactly what, what God had planned. We see this. I, I would imagine right now, You can look at your story, you can look at your testimony, you can look at your life and see where you've gotten in the way. Don't get me wrong, we're still loved, and there's still a road ahead that we're going to be challenged daily to get out of the way and truly fall in line with what He's calling of us. Uh, We see this in Scripture uh, many times. We see people praying these prayers uh, that are are bigger than anything they, they thought about and things happening that that they can't explain. Uh, Hannah in in First Samuel um, one eleven, uh, uh, Hannah was was a, was barren. She wasn't able to have kids. She was ridiculed. She was humiliated, um, but she pleaded with God for a son, promising to give him back to the Lord. In First Samuel uh, one eleven, here's exactly what she prayed: "A Lord of Hosts." Uh, if you will need to look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. I, let, me, let me just tell you this in a little bit of vulnerability. I could not imagine praying that prayer for my daughters. I struggle with that. That's one of my struggles. God, use them however you see fit. I struggle with that prayer. I believe I should be praying it. And that's something that God, it sends people in my life to remind me of that. But I'd imagine, I would imagine that's a struggle that you might have too. And as she prayed this prayer, sure enough, Samuel, Samuel became one of the greatest prophets in Israel's history who maintained direct communication with God throughout his life. In addition to Samuel, God gave Hannah three more sons and two daughters. When we're willing to give our best and everything that we are to him, there are things we never thought imaginable. It would happen. Moses is another big one. Moses talked to God regularly. Right? And And I hope as you, for me, that's a struggle. I allow myself to get so busy. It's the reason I prayed the prayer on the way to Seattle. Because for me, I get so busy here in this routine. Not here, this church. Here, this routine of life that I have here. I get so busy. I allow my, I, I do it to myself. And so I, I don't find myself praying those prayers in the routine. I find myself needing a trip to Seattle when it's just me to pray that prayer. And there's a, there's a problem with that. There's a problem with that. Moses talked to God regularly in a, in a beautiful conversation. Moses asked for God's blessing on the Israelites. And for God's presence to go with them as they traveled. Then Moses asked to see God's glory. Moses talked to God regularly and then asked to see his very personage up close. And then he says this in Exodus thirty-three eighteen: Now show me your glory. God, Moses wanted more. In my life, my comfort has kept me at times from wanting more. I don't know if that's you. I just know that in my life, my comfort has kept me from asking or desiring more of Him. I, 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 I've never prayed the prayer that Moses prayed. Let me, I want to see you. Like, that's how, that's how close I want to be to you. As Christians today, it's very easy for us to pray the prayers and, um, and be thankful. Uh, Moses wanted to be as close as he could to his Creator. There's a love there. There's a love there. There's a desire there. And he said, show me your glory. I struggle with that. There's one more story in Matthew 5. Uh, A guy named Jairus. And and Jairus was uh, a synagogue ruler. Okay, so as we talk about Pharisees, as we talk about... um, as we talk about people in, during the time of Jesus that were the church, if you will, they were the ones you are the models, if you will, uh, Jairus is one of those guys. And there's a story that, that comes with, with Jairus that for me is huge as I look at my life. Uh, it starts in Matthew chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came And when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. At a time where no one else has fallen at their feet, by the way. What I mean by that, the, the synagogue leaders, the Pharisees, they weren't falling at the feet of Jesus. So Jairus risks everything to do this. Fell at his feet and he pleaded earnestly with him. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. Here's where it gets really tricky for Jairus. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, around Jesus. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought... I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's the, that's the faith that she had. If I would just be able to touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that was, she was that she was freed from her suffering. Now, all the while, Jairus is waiting. Okay, all the while this is happening, there's crowds falling around, everyone's trying to get Jesus' attention, and Jairus is like, Hey, we, can we, can we double time it? We've got to go. Because again, he had a plan. At once, verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, His disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? Verse 32, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, I love this, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. There have been so many parts of my story where I wasn't willing to just fall at His feet. I just wasn't. Name the excuse. Name the reason. I, I, I bought this bag for this trip. I don't want to put it, I don't want to check it. I, I, have, I have my whole journey planned out. I have um, how much money I want to make. I have where I want to live. I, I have what size house I want. I have all these things planned. Name the excuse. It's the reason that at times we struggle to fall at His feet. While Jesus was still speaking, as he was talking to this woman, he was still speaking. So this is verse uh, 35. Some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, and said, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Again, we confine ourselves, we, 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 we handcuff ourselves to the rules of this world, to the rules of society, to the rules of the American dream, you name it same thing is happening here. Your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? And I wish at this point I could hear Jairus' response. I wish I, could, I wish I could hear what, what Jairus said. But verse 36 goes on and says, Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, Don't be afraid, just believe. Because if it's me, if I'm Jairus in this, I'm probably not saying, no, it's okay. It's okay that she died. Jesus got this, because that's that's my disconnect from Him. Those are my struggles. Those are the, the I pray the prayers, but there's still the struggle that I have, that I know a, a lot of us in this room have. But Jesus says, don't don't be afraid, just believe. Verse thirty-seven, He did not let anyone follow Him except for Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead but asleep. And they laughed at him. Again, I I put myself in those shoes. If one of my daughters had died and Jesus comes and says, She's sleeping. We checked the pulse. I don't think that's the case. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went where the child was. He took her by the hand And said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk. Walk around. She's 12 years old. There's so many things that would have stopped me before I got to that point. I don't know if that's you. Again, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know. There's so many things that would have limited me, that would have stopped me to even get me to that point. I probably would have said, yeah, we don't need to bother the teacher anymore. Yeah, I'm with you. She died. There's so many things that that I would have made up as an excuse to say, I can't pursue him in this way because fill in the blank. And because of it, we're missing out on so much. Because of it, we're falling short on the very things that God has in store for us. Even if it's taking care of a little girl for four hours while aunt sleeps. I don't know the capacity. I don't know how big of a deal that was for her. I don't know what she was struggling with. I don't. I know there have been times as a parent I've said, "I just, I just want a nap. I just, I just want rest for it's just this long." I don't know. I don't know if that was a, a big thing for her that day. I don't. I don't know. I know that I could have came up with many excuses on why I shouldn't have done it, though. In fact, we're really good at talking ourselves out of doing the things that God has in store for us. We've almost mastered it. In fact, there, there's this um, there's this vision I have on this for this imagery I want to show you. Bailey, Luke, come here. I know, I didn't tell you. Come here. Come here, Luke. Bailey, come here. Got a jacket on. his chin. Come here. Come here. Okay. Okay, here's what want you do. I want you to face. I want you to stand right here. You're doing a great job. You're so nervous right now. What's up, dude? Gosh, you're almost bigger than me. Okay, so here's the deal. Okay, so here's kind of where we're at. This, this is kind of where we'll put you on this. If you can look at your life for a second. Look at your journey. Look at your testimony as we look at this. This is where we want to be. Not not being Bailey who's wearing a jacket and June. But this is where we want to be. Like as we look at our relationship with God, we see stories uh, where people just fell, where the, woman, where the woman falls at the feet of Jesus and just says, if I, can, if I could just touch his clothes. This is where we want to be. And we meet here every Sunday, breaking down scripture. We have small groups, we have men's breakfast, just providing opportunities for us to grow in our knowledge of Him more. And we look at this and say, Here's who I want to, here's how I want to be. It's not that you want to be another person, but this is the version of you that you want to become, and you look ahead at that and you say, This is what I want to do. I want to worship in freedom. I want to pray. Prayers that are so bold that I would have never imagined praying before. And now, I'm not picking on Luke here, but a lot of us look back and we say, here's where I used to be. And we sit right about here. Now, I don't want to take the credit here for this Stephen Furtick elevation that gave me this image, and when he, when he said this and I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, that's me. Because very easily in life, I can look back and say, well, at least I'm not doing this anymore and I'm comfortable here. I can look back and say, well, at least least I don't have that doubt anymore. At least I don't deal with that fear anymore. At least I don't have that anxiety hanging over me anymore. And we sit right here, and we're comfortable. And we look ahead, and we know there's work to do, but there's this comfort in sitting right here in life. And I don't know who I'm talking to. All I know is, for me, For me, that's huge. Because there's been so many times that I've missed out on what God had planned because going there was really scary. Going there was... was If I prayed this prayer, God, I want to be... I want, to, I want to fall at your feet. I want to just touch your clothes. If I prayed that prayer, I have to understand this. And I, Bag does a, an awesome job for me painting this picture and making sure this is clear. If I pray this prayer, I have to be ready for what comes next. I have to. If I'm not, if I'm not ready for that, then life is going to continue. Some of you right now just recently God has awoken something in your spirit. But because of struggles you're dealing with, that awakening, that revival, there's a ceiling placed on it. I don't want to make y'all stand up anymore. Y'all did a great job. Thank you so much. Good job. Bailey did a good job Stand forward. Because, because, because we struggle with saying, I want to pray that prayer, but if I truly pray that prayer, I've got to be ready for what comes next. But if we're not willing for what comes next, we're going to sit in that comfortable place. And God is going to continue to try to show us, Hey, listen, there's more. There's more. There's more for you. There's more for my kingdom. There's more for your story. This net that you have can be cast wider in the impact on the lives that you will change if you're willing to pray the prayer and then take this huge leap. So for you, my prayer, my hope is that you would just be able to take a step back and evaluate that for you. Because nowhere, nowhere in Scripture does it say, if I pray the prayer and then take the leap, everything's easy. Everything's smooth. Nope. Nope. There's going to be a family of five with a one-year-old coming down the aisle that you know, you know, that's about to be you. That's about to fall on your shoulders. But, if we can truly pursue it, His kingdom will be glorified in a way we never saw, we never thought we were capable of even being a part of. And that's my hope for you. As you look at this week, as you look at today, fathers, mothers, as you you sit and you look at your family, what does that look like? Are you in a place where you're sitting in the middle and you're able to say, well, we've come a long ways. We've come a long ways. Remember when we were here? And now we're here, but we know that God still is calling more of us. But we're really comfortable here, and at least we're not there anymore. We could spend our whole lives having that battle. And my hope for you, my hope for myself, is I can get out of the way and truly pray that prayer and take that leap and look at this through the lens of His kingdom and not through the lens of what I have planned. We're gonna we're gonna exit a little differently. We're gonna pray. Um, and then I'll dismiss y'all from from there. Um, I hope and oh gosh, I'm gonna say this, this is my last thing, and you're gonna get mad at me. I hope for every heart here in the areas where we need to be uprooted that God does it. In the areas where we need to be uncomfortable, in the areas where we need to 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 get out of our comfort zone that God does it. And I know what I'm asking there is, well, thanks a lot, Chris. Uh set me up here for some difficult things ahead. I, I am. I am, but I believe that if we can truly chase after this, the kingdom will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that you give us every single day every single week, every time this church gets to meet, that we have a desire, a, a pursuit of breaking down your word in, in, in an effort or, or, or lifting up high your name in worship in an effort to grow in our understanding of you. We don't want to just know about you. Father, I pray that over this church. I pray that we're not a people that just want to know about you. I pray that we're a people that want to understand you. And in truly understanding you, I pray that it is our desire to get as close as we can to you. That in humility we'd be able to say, if I could just touch his clothing. If I could just get that close to him. I pray that over this church. I pray that over every heart here. I believe as we sing about revivals, that if we can truly chase after this, revival will happen. Chains will be broken. Our hearts will be restored. And we'll be able to do things in the name of your son Jesus we never thought imaginable. God, we love you. We pray this in your son's beautiful name. Amen. Hope you guys have a blessed week. You are dismissed.